welcome to a special edition of the Mashless Buttons Mashcast. I'm Jarrett, and I'm here with special well, guest host. Well, actually, sorry, not guest host, staff writer and regular podcast host Nick Zellenkevich. Hey, I I, I want to feel special. I want to be a guest host. <laughs> you're fine, Nick. Okay, now you're Damn a it. guest host. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to... and 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 sometimes host Mikey Kenny. Yeah. See, I mean, you have to get fired first, and then you can become a guest host. Because if you're not fired, then you're just a regular host. Wait, if I'm if I'm fired, do I get like severance pay or something? No, we, we don't, don't get work paid like now. that. Yeah, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. We didn't get paid when you were hired. You don't get paid when you get fired. <laughs> yeah, twenty-five thousand. Damn it! I'll give you a handshake. That's payment enough. Damn, I can take that straight to the bank. Yeah, you can. My handshake, you can. <laughs> Yeah, for bison dollars. <laughs> that is true. Hey, you never know with the way the economy is going. <laughs> the U.S. dollar may be worth just as much. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, we are not here to talk about Street Fighter the movie. We are actually here to talk about post-game depression, which is something that affects every real gamer, I think. Like, when I said post-game depression... When me and Nick were talking about it originally, he immediately knew what I was talking about. Right, yeah. Nick? Yeah, it's, it's, it's when you play a game that's so terrible and you're like, oh, I'm depressed that I did that. No, you don't get depression no. from a bad game. <laughs> no, you just, you don't that's finish anger. a game. You just put it down, walk away, and say your shit, bye. Yeah, that's I'm talking about a game that's so good while you're playing it, that when you're finished playing it, like you're just like, I want more, but there is no more, <laughs> you know, or like some games, like you're, you're waiting for the DLC to come out because you want more. And then the DLC comes out and it's like, not what you're looking for. You know, you want more of that game. And like, it is it, it, more than a couple games that it, it's happened to me. And it's actually recently over the last few years, I've been feeling it a lot more than, uh, than, you know, before. Uh, so like you know like you know back in like 2004, a game like Half Life 2, like when that game ended, I was like, oh my god, like I really, like I I want to play like the, the 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 episode like the episode one right now, you know because it's mm-hmm. the game was so good, um and more recently Bioshock Infinite, because like when I when I beat Bioshock Infinite, like I had the week off, I beat Bioshock Infinite around like I think 11:30 p.m. or something like that. And I beat the game, I'm like, oh man, that game was so awesome, and I was kind of like, you know what, well, f- fine, now I'm going to play Far Cry 3. And I played Far Cry 3 for a good hour, and I just had to turn it off, because I'm like, you know, fuck Far Cry 3. Are you serious? Like, I, I mean, got- it's not bad, it's not a bad game, though. I it's mean- not, it's, that's the thing, like, I should have played Far Cry 3 before Bioshock Infinite, because now, after Bioshock Infinite, I'm just like, I, like, Far Cry 3 is nothing compared to that game. Well, I think you've got a special case of the post-game depression because, like, Bioshock Infinite, like, we're, we're already to- there's already talk of that for, like, Game of the Year. Like, I think that, that game is going to establish itself in, like, the pantheon of games going forward. And so, I mean, you're going you're gonna to have a letdown coming off something that good. And, yeah. you know, and then Far Cry 3 may be a perfectly decent game. It may be a good game, but it's not, like, a superior, excellent game. 
And yeah, that that's what you're feeling there. I mean, really, you, you almost if, if for, to go from a game like Bioshock Infinite, you need something that's mindless and almost has no story for a little while. Like just you need a palate cleanser, really. And then you can kind of like, you know, come down and then get back into a, a more involved game again. That's true. Like, I don't like, you know, I and it was funny because I thought I was going to have post-game depression after StarCraft 2. Not so much. I was just satisfied. You know, after the single player of StarCraft 2, I was satisfied. But see, now, is that, now that doesn't mean that, Star, that StarCraft 2 is inferior to Bioshock, but does it mean that maybe StarCraft 2 just ha- was, was a better package? It had a, a more satisfying ending. Like, there was something about, like, like Bioshock, where the ending was so, I guess, riveting that it, it, it kind of engaged your mind in a way. Like, the wheels are spinning, even though you're not there anymore. But, like, like StarCraft 2, it's a concise package. So you get there, you play to the ending. I, I'm assuming it's still open to set up the, the Protoss uh, yeah. expansion. Mm-hmm. But it's not, as, it's, not, it's not as urgently compelling. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, even Bioshock Infinite's ending, like, we're not going to do any spoilers here, but that was no. like a, like a, kind of like a final thing, pretty much. Even though there is something that happens after the credits, it's not something that's going to continue the story, you know? Um, it was just, I guess, it was some closure, at least for me, because I was kind of pissed at what happened at the end, and then they showed what happened after the credits, and it was a little bit of closure. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like, it's, it's weird, like, with StarCraft, I played to the end, like, I saw the final cinematic, and I just felt satisfied, like, okay, this is what I wanted, I'm perfectly happy with the way this game ended, and with Bioshock Infinite, even though I didn't like the ending at first, when I realized what actually happened at the ending, then I was like, okay, the ending is great, so I liked the ending, but it was just like, I just want the gameplay to continue on. Like, I want it more, even though I had already played the game for, like, 12 hours. So, is your reaction to, like, the the uh, the addiction, I guess, of Bioshock, is that more an addiction of the gameplay? Like, you just enjoyed the gameplay? Or, or was it an addiction to the universe and the story that they were telling and that you want the story to continue? It was both. It was, it was a combination of both. That's how you know you have a good game right there, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, so you was, can get a good combination of both story and gameplay. It was. It was a, it was a great story, great gameplay, and the, the game was like perfect. And even from a technical perspective, the game was perfect. You know, there were some YouTube videos talking about they had stutter and stuff like that. To them, I say get a better computer before you start posting uh, technical videos on YouTube. <laughs> but um, for me, I didn't have a single stutter. It looked the game looks like a DreamWorks 3D film. It looks incredible. It really does. It does look pretty. F- it, it. I. Yeah. I had a. I. I bought a new machine just to play it on high. I mean, on on ultra, because I had looked at the comparisons and I was like, I've got to play this in as high as graphic setting as possible because it's just it's just so gorgeous, and you miss out on. A lot yeah. in between the settings. It's not like little bits. There's a lot that you don't get if you play it on console. Yeah, yeah, a lot you're missing out. But I mean, like the yeah, Bioshock Infinite was like that game where both I wanted more of both. You know, even though like the the ending, like when you get to the end, like they I don't even know I don't even know how to explain it. explain it. it's not like they leave you hanging or anything like that you know everything's wrapped up but I just wanted more 
you know. Mm-hmm. Now there is a game that um that I wanted more story, like and I should say I wanted more story. Like okay, the game I'm talking about, is Spec Ops: The Line. Okay, and when I finished that game, I was I would I I felt a, I did feel satisfied, you know, with the combat. Like I was like okay, I don't necessarily need more of this gameplay and the story was wrapped up good but the way it hits you at the end is just like i want to stay in that i I need i wanted a reason to stay in that world see but i I feel like the way you've talked about a game like spec ops where like you go through and you have a lot of these experiences but they all don't coalesce until the very end and that's sort of when you get that understanding of everything that was happening that whole time like I wonder, like I feel like, like when I get into a game that that engages me that much, and I get that post depression, my immediate immediate response is start a new game again. You know, if I can change the character in a few different ways, change the character in a few different ways. But even if I can't, just let's just play through it again, and I'll just I'm just gonna run this ride this momentum until I just completely peter out of the game and exhaust myself on it. And so I feel like a game like Spec Ops kind of lends itself to that because now now that you have this this knowledge, you can you know I mean as, as much as it's easy to sit there and sort of watch how they piece it all together at the end and and you know sort of you know you remember everything that happened. It's it's still a different experience to go into those situations and see what happens, knowing exactly what you know later. And I think a lot of games where where you have that you know like because I, mean, I mean these games are literary works and foreshadowing is a valid literary technique that, that you know some games writers employ and so you know you can get into situations where you can see like oh hey look they were setting up what happens you know two-thirds of the way through the game they were setting that up in the opening scene and you know and and those kind of little surprises i think you know to be engaged in a game that deeply that you can go back and sort of pick up on these little hints and clues as they went along i think that's always sort of a pleasant experience i think it rewards people for being that deeply engaged in the game yeah yeah i i totally see what you're saying i just uh i don't know like i yeah i think it is because like it hits you all at the same time there with that game and then you're like i need to go back in you know, even though, like, at the very end of the game, I replayed that ending uh, four times so I can get all four endings. But when you say you replayed the, the ending, did you have to re- you, you'd have to replay the entire game that time. You, you just no, I did it all, like, right there. You can go to the last chapter and start. Oh, again. okay, so you just do, you make all the decisions in that last chapter then. Yep, yep, you okay. make all the decisions in that last chapter. So that's, well, not all the decisions, sorry, but, like, you know, the the important ones that change the endings yeah are done in the last chapter mm-hmm. okay so you know that's that's pretty much you know I, I was able to at least go back and see all those and even with that i wanted to do more but you know then like oh there 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 are games that it's i feel conflicted because i want i i i want i i feel satisfied but i want more you know, like you, you've eaten to satisfaction, but now you just want to stuff your face more. It's like one of those things, and that one of those games for me, like one was uh, was Max Payne three, and one was Portal two. Mm. Mm. So, you know, like one, yeah, Max Payne three and Portal two are both like that for me, especially Max Payne, because I was satisfied with the ending, and actually, I do not want there, I don't want there to be a Max Payne four because of the way Max Payne three ends. Really, you yeah. don't you don't want a sequel at all? I don't want to. I do not want a Max Payne four with Max Payne. <laughs> I like. I should say this: if they make a Max Payne four, it 
it cannot continue the story. It needs to go back and fill gaps. Like they, they probably, I would say they need to go. They would have to go back and do a story between two and three. But after three, I do not want them to do anything with Max. That's how much I care about that fucking character. <laughs> so you'd be okay with like an in between story, but don't continue on. Do not continue. Mac, do not continue Max's story. Yeah, because I wondered how the transition was between the fall of Max Payne to Max Payne Three. Well, like, the, f- the fall of, like the between the two of those games, basically you miss a lot. Like you know what's yeah. canon in the game is that Mona dies. That's canon in in uh in Max Payne. Did you play Max Payne Three? Uh, I started to never finished. Okay, yeah. So that that's canon in Max Payne Three that that Mona that Mona's dead, which I'm pretty sure most people thought she was dead anyway. Because in order for her to live at the end of Max Payne Two, you have to beat it on the hardest difficulty. So like, see, that tells me that the hardest difficulty one should have been the true ending. But whatever, it is like that. Was that was like if uh, who was the the people who made Alan Wake that Remedy? If Remedy would have did Max Payne Three, that probably would have been canon. But most people didn't beat that game on hard, so the canon one was the one where she dies. Okay. Yes. Or oh, I should I should oh. say this. I'll put it to you like this. They don't necessarily talk about her death or saying that she's officially dead. But Max Payne makes several references like I can't forgive myself for what happened to my wife, what happened to Mona. Like, okay, I would assume she's dead. You know? Or at least he thinks he's dead. She's dead. Yeah, it's a video game. They can swing it anyway. She died in Max Payne one, came back in Max Payne two. Anything can happen. It's true. Um but uh yeah, so the, the the way they ended Max Payne three, dude. Like, I don't want them to touch Max as a character. I want him to live out the rest of his days, the way the game ended. Okay. You know, and still, well, I want more. Like, I would, want would, more Max would, Payne. Would you, would you want a game then that would star Max Payne, but fundamentally not be a Max Payne game where it's just him living out his days doing what he's doing? Like, maybe it's a fishing sim. And he's just out there fishing or something. Oh, that God. That would be Nick. hilarious. Like, that's his retirement. That would Nick. be hilarious. Are you serious right now? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> that would what be... would he do? Bullet time, like, this is throw cast? Bullet yeah, you bullet time, throw cast. Time. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> no, you can't have a Max Payne game and not have bullet time. That's not allowed. Well, what if it's... It, well, see, I think that's the problem. Is maybe it doesn't need to be a Max Payne game. Maybe it's just like... You know, like awesome fishing sim number twelve, and eh, it's starring Max Payne. Ah, oh. yeah, you could be a side character. <laughs> yeah, or you're even that. Like, or would, would you want like another game set in the Max Payne universe, and Max is just like running a bar or something? Not really. Like, I mean, it's fun to joke about, but no. <laughs> to be honest with you, no. Because Max doesn't live in a happy world. To be yeah, his life is no, a living but, hell. But but the thing is, like, an unhappy world breeds drama. And yeah. so it, it it should be easy to be like you know you know come up with a story like from the world of Max Payne. Oh no, they could they could come up with a story. You know they could come they could definitely come up with a story and like continue Max Payne for what for whatever reason they want to. But I just want Max to be happy. I want him to leave him alone. Leave but, Max alone. Yeah, but, <laughs> but at the same time, I want more Max Payne. I loved Max Payne three. Absolutely loved it. Every second of it. Do you, but do you think part of the reason that you loved it is because it gave you that resolution at the end? 
because you're saying like, oh, you know, like I'd like to see some kind of prequel here, but you know that a prequel can't end well because Max, you know where Max has to wind up at the end. And so would you necessarily enjoy a prequel as much to see Max go through whatever emotions he goes no, through? No, end- he's not going to be put in, in, in the same place of resolution that he is now. The ending was just the icing on the cake for me, for Max Payne 3. It was just like, I'm, I'm satisfied where he, where he ended up in that game. And I don't know, like the, uh, it was just the game itself, like the, the overall package of the game, the, the gameplay, the story, the narrative, like, like that, it was an amazing game. Like how many games, how many action, like primarily, primary action games have you played that actually make you feel something for the character? Like I feel his pain. Yeah. Like action shooting games. Okay, hold. Okay, that that come that changes a little bit. Yeah, action uh, shooting games that actually make you feel something for the character, the, the way stealth, Max Payne three. The stealth action count. Stealth action games. Yeah. Like what? Like what? Splinter Cell. Metal or? Gear. Metal Gear. You like? Uh, no, I mean Solid Snake was just a badass. You know what I'm saying? That's well, you were. feel you feel for him a little bit. I mean, dude. Like, Dude's had some shit. <laughs> he has, but not nearly as much as Max Payne. Like Solid Snake, like you always knew, like Solid Snake was like, you know, like he was so highly trained that like he could he could find find ways out of these situations. Like he is no, you can't even compare his troubles to fucking Max Payne. Like Solid Snake's troubles are world troubles. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that that's Solid Snake troubles. Yeah. Whereas with Max Payne, like. He they just he got shat on the entire fucking game. And yeah, t- yeah. Until he shaved his head. A, <laughs> I can't think of a shooter character who I have felt more you know shit for than the Max only Payne. the only one that even comes close to me is like fucking Gordon Freeman, and he doesn't even talk. He is me, and maybe that's why I feel that way. Yeah, I can't think of like shooters. Yeah, shooters. No, I can think of other action game titles, but. Like not shooter, not in the shooter area. Yeah, like so, like yeah, Max Payne three for me, like that was I was satisfied, but I wanted more. And actually, even Portal two was like the same way. Even though for Portal two, I mean, I was satisfied with the with the story, but I wanted more gameplay. And the actual the multiplayer really did that. Yeah, it really helped fill that void. And then I got double depressed when we finished the multiplayer. Cause I'm like, fuck, that's all. Yeah, we can't do anything else. We can't do anything else. We have beat this entire game, and the multiplayer was different because you know you're actually playing with a friend. Like it was so much fun. Yeah, and that's frustrating, depending on who you're with. Depending on who you're with, yes. But like you know, your friend fucking up and then moving a portal which removes a bridge from underneath you is hilarious. Sometimes, God, I hated that. Like Frank, no, and then he does it. Like like, that is the most common story you hear: is someone moved a bridge from underneath somebody. Goddamn light bridges. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like you know, so for Portal was a little different because you know, for Portal it was like now the fun is gone too. You know. (laughs) Yeah, so the I stories, mean, you, the stories gone, the gameplay's gone, and the fun is gone. I mean, once you beat Portal, then you just play it again as a time trial to see how fast you can get through. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's the thing. That's why, like you know, and especially like toward. Did you play Portal Two, Nick? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just, just checking. 
Like, especially, like, it was just getting so much better toward the end because now you had GLaDOS and Wheatley. Yes. Uh, you know? And, uh, and, uh, oh, fuck. What's his name? Yeah, J.K. Simmons. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, but I was, like, he was, like, in the middle. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, his voice was, you know, it was. In the mid, yeah. Yeah, but, but I think. He didn't interact. Like, he didn't interact no. with you. That's the thing, like, whereas Wheatley would but interact it, with you and GLaDOS. Yeah, yeah, but it gave a lot of background information on what was going on and that kind of like made me keep wanting to go further to figure out more well exactly what portal 2 did was it, it created this compelling world like it, it completely built this world and it told the entire narrative of the world through those little recorded entries that you got from uh, and, it, and it's irritating me that i can't remember his character's Dave name johnson uh yeah cave johnson thank you like you know like him and and uh, and what was uh Carol- caroline like their their story as told in that world was just fascinating and that that entire that world of the dilapidated abandoned laboratories with these you know intri- you know with these and, and I mean all the the materials there it purely introduced for gameplay mechanics that's all that was but they came up with this entire lore to to justify why there were these little you know tubes of various gels that you could either you know you could kind of paint around and then either bounce or slide or do what you needed to do with them that i mean it's i think that that i mean that that's what makes portal 2 so great is that it was a marriage of great world building and and great gameplay i think it's the same thing like you kind of said with bioshock earlier it was a great world a great story and great gameplay and i think that's that that's key i think you know a lot you know you're you're you know to start you know to bring it back to the whole concept of like the post-game depression you're gonna get depressed when you lose something great when you know you get to the end and you're you know because i mean fundamentally you know you're you're having this amazing experience enjoying this this product and then you're out of that product and that's that's it. That's what makes you sad. It's a it's, it's a testament to you know the team at Valve and and, uh, and whoever did Bioshock as far as like how great their games were. But I'm just surprised. Like the, it's surprising me which games it actually happens on because okay, for example, uh, Uncharted Two was undeniably an excellent game. I haven't yeah. played. I haven't talked to a single person who played that game and said it wasn't excellent. It was in my opinion. So far, I haven't beaten uh, Uncharted Three because. Uh, I got to a point and I got bored with it, so that says a lot. But um, Uncharted 2, like, through and through was excellent, and I did not have post-game depression when it came to Uncharted 2. No, I was like, okay. You were, it, you, you were good with it. It was done. You were yeah, done. but then, like, a game, another game, like, Infamous 2, you know? Infamous 2, bam, post-game depression. And there's, a, and there's an excellent reason for me to replay through that game. I'm actually, I'm still on my second playthrough of that game. Now, does Infamous 2 build to... A potential infamous three. Uh, depends on which ending you go with. So, because uh, because I mean, like Portal Portal Two, it doesn't seem like it's it, it necessarily sets up a Portal Three because I mean, I don't think that that's that franchise it is could. being in, intended to sort of be a, a series. It, it, you know, they'll come out with another Portal if they feel like coming out with another Portal. But like, but you know, because you mentioned earlier, like you know, you said StarCraft Two, so it was a solid game, but especially you know, Heart of the Swarm. There's still a third part. There's still a third part to part two to come. Right. And so it's almost, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, a lot of those hard hitting moments, like, you can't get a hard hitting moment like you get at the end of, at the end of Bioshock in the StarCraft game because that, those kind of moments, that's going to come 
in the next in either the next one that might even come in StarCraft three if that's what they're ultimately leading to at some point. That there, you know, the, the, just the way the narrative structures work, you know, even in Max Payne three, that was the, that was the finale to that tr- that that series, and so you know, you got that that very you know that very resounding conclusion that you don't that you you don't want to see Max continue to a degree because no, you like how that series ended, and so. I think to look at a game, you know, to like at Uncharted 2, like that, that serves a very specific role in a very structured narrative that it doesn't have the opportunity to sort of have, carry that same weight at points. Yeah, but like the end of Uncharted 2, like before you knew they were going to have an Uncharted 3, was still just, you know, it could, the series could have ended right there if it wanted to. Well, I, I, I get the I get the feeling that a lot of, you know, that they're working under the premise like we're planning for a 3, but we're going to try to. At least wrap there, it up enough that if the there's no of three, Uncharted two, there is no, there is no like nothing hanging. Like it's pretty they, much wrapped they, up. They they could end an Uncharted game at the end of any of them. I yeah. think they plan on that. Like they don't know when they want to finish this because honestly, it's just like they could. It's just all their endings, Uncharted one, two, and three. If they stop making Uncharted's, they could stop right there. Yeah, like it, they always seem to leave it that way. Even um, StarCraft. Like I mean, we knew that there were gonna be three expansions, but each expansion, the way each one ends, um, it could have actually it could have ended right there. Because at the end of Wings of Liberty, um, well, I mean, I, I'll just say it because the cat's out of the bag. When you start Heart of the Swarm, or if you watch any Heart of the Swarm cinematic, you know that at the end of Wings of Liberty, Carrigan is a human again, and the way it ends, like that could have just been it. Well, yeah, yeah but that can't end the whole universe's story. Right, but I'm just saying, like, if that was just it, that's like, okay. Like, actually, StarCraft 2 had, it's not StarCraft 2, sorry, Star, StarCraft Brute Wars had a, 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 a bigger cliffhanger at the end. Even that last mission, do you remember that? At the end of StarCraft? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, we're basically at the end of StarCraft Brute Wars, the last mission, um, Carrigan, that's when she that when you're you're fighting with her throughout the, you know the entire campaign, and then that's when she turns on you at the very end of it. And mm. then they had that cinematic of her pretty much getting ready to take over the universe, and that's where it goes off. Heart of the Swarm doesn't end like that, and Wings of Liberty, they they, they those endings are nowhere near close to like cliffhanger ish. You know, mm-hmm. even Heart like right now, like when you know something's coming, like both games talked about, there's something coming. And you know what it is. Actually, you see them in uh, Wings of Liberty. You don't see them in Heart of the Swarm. At least it's not from what I've seen. But uh, Carrigan knows they're coming. Raynor knows they're coming. Zeratul knows they're, they're coming. And that's pretty much what the third one's going to be about. But it's even the, the way... No, huh? It's the Reapers. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like... Seriously? Pretty much. <laughs> it pretty much is... The, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's so stupid. I'm so sick of shit like this. <laughs> well, but actually, no, they... it's literally like drives me crazy how we have all these warring factions, and then all of a sudden, let's group up together and defeat the big overlord force that's coming our way. Well, you know what? I'm so fucking sick. In a of lot shit. of games, that 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 shit is just like, oh yeah, let's work together to beat this guy. In StarCraft, they actually work it into the story over time. Yeah, but it's just like, so for, for example, overdone. If, if the <laughs> if the events of Heart of the Swarm don't take place, there's no way Carrigan would work together with uh with the Terran. 
and there's no way the Protoss would work together with Kerrigan, based off of what like, be, like if if the if the uh, like the, they they just wouldn't do it. They kill each other off first. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. So the, you actually that's a big part of Wings of Liberty. Like this, they like the Zeratul's talking about because he he was able to see the future and he was talking about what's coming. Yeah, but that's I mean that's all that that's all credits to Blizzard's writing staff that they're able to craft a narrative such that they can justify pitting these three factions against each other. But fundamentally, I mean that all stems from the fact that you know, and this applies to to, to Warcraft too. That you've got you've got a game that's kind of built around these two factions warring, but you also need. You know, like that's your PvP is these two factions warring, but you also need the single player game. And at that point, it's like it doesn't do you any justice to have these two warring factions. You have to, you know, have that threat that, you know, unites them all together. It's, it's, it is staple narrative. I'll give you that it's a bit cliche, but I mean, that, that's, that's, that's just the nature of the, unfortunately, yeah, that's, that's just due to the fact that they want to have PvP and PvE. I get that. And but you kind of have to, you have to walk that line a bit. Like, over. oh, we hate each other, but we hate this guy more. Well, the multiplayer of uh, of both of both Warcraft. I'm not talking about World of Warcraft, but Warcraft and Starcraft are totally separate. Like you don't like if that's the case. Why are Zerg fighting Zerg in multiplayer? You know what I'm saying? That's true. Yeah, yeah that's they're totally I mean, 100% separate. You can't include that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, but it's like just, it's just so overdone. But uh, that's for another topic. <laughs> I'm just that that that's literally one of my biggest pet peeves about like game story right well, now so, is, well, the, the other, is the two other. warring factions or however many like I I am like I just I just for some reason my mind just keeps going back to Halo and the Flood and Gears of War and those necro thingies that would take over the bodies of those other thingies and then there's just I'm just so fucking sick of it no, but, and this is done way even before Halo I'm yeah, just but, pointing out like things that just come to my mind instantaneously yeah, but the problem there is that you've got two you've got two groups that like especially you know in a game like you know starcraft where you fans can you know choose yeah i like the zerg yeah i like the terrans and you don't want to you need you need an, another threat beyond those three factions at the end for them to sort of defeat because otherwise then it's like oh well then otherwise you wind up in a situation like the original warcrafts where you know it's like either the humans one or the orcs one but you don't know what canon is because it all depends who picked what who picked or race, yeah. or or you know you wind up in a situation where literally like you know you, oh like oh hey look the the humans beat the zerg at the end yay but i'm like the zerg you know it, yeah. it, it, it so... demoralizes part of the fan base so you need you need that external threat that's not a playable faction which means that everybody's going to have to end up playing against it because otherwise, oh, look, the Terran and the Zerg are teaming up. I picked Protoss. I get to sit out in space for my expansion. I don't know. Like, the, the thing, I, I see what Mikey's saying because, yeah, it happens all the time. But the difference between, like, Warcraft and Starcraft is that in Warcraft, uh, well, I guess until, until Warcraft 3, that's when they start to splinter more. You have splinter groups inside of each race. Yes. And that's that's... The, that's where the, di- the the difference comes in. Like in Heart of the Swarm, like the splinter groups among the different races are already working together. You know, you so have Protoss that kill Protoss. Are the splinter groups then the good guys? Huh? Are the splinter groups are the good guys? Then? No, no, that's the thing. Like you have like different factions inside each race. So you'll have like a faction of Protoss that another faction of Protoss don't like. And so the Terran will join up with one of the factions of Protoss and help take out the other faction. Or, like, you know, you'll have, like, well, with the main story of Heart of the Swarm, you'll have 
Terran that don't like other Terran, and so they team up with Kerrigan, and her, the Zerg, and the Terran take out this threat. So it's a little, it's a little different than just warring factions teaming so, up and then going so out. It's, it's a lot of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Pretty much, like you just yeah. think, like there are multiple, like they're like, just from my counting, there are at least three, there are at least three Terran factions, and inside of that race itself for the single player. The Zerg are a little bit different. They're usually, as long as one Zerg can prove that they're stronger than the other, they'll all join in. And then the Protoss are, fa- are uh, splintered off, too. I like the Zerg. Back to what we're actually supposed to be yeah, talking here, about. I'm sorry. Well, our podcast within a podcast. Uh-oh. Inception. Uh. <laughs> we gotta go to a third level. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, like that's what I was, like you know with Infamous Two, like I that was I was big. I I immediately started the game back up, and 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 started playing through it again. Actually, I told you guys like the, the night I had to make the final decision, I had to like save and turn the game off. Yeah, I remember. It was that. such a heavy, heavy choice, you know. But it's just you know some games I just don't understand why. Some games you I know- won't have and actually there's one game i just don't know why i had post-game depression that was sleeping dogs like see i just don't even know why i had post-game depression about that game you know they're not gonna make a sequel (laughs) (laughs) sleeping dogs sold well it sold well did it sell well enough yeah Yeah. that's the the thing did it sell well because you know how square enix is is now apparently tomb reader didn't sell enough so yeah but like the sleeping dogs was one of those games when i finished it first of all it caught me by surprise I picked it up on a Friday night. I'm like, eh, I'll try it out. Dude, I played it for 30 hours over the weekend. <laughs> like, it got me. And then I beat it, and I'm just like, uh, but wait, I want I want more. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how I feel about... Uh, there's a couple games that that have made me kind of post-depressed. Well, we, we've been talking about my games. Let's talk about some of yours. Like, well, tell us how you feel, Mike. <sighs> Heavy Rain... Cause I can't play it again. Cause I know, cause once you beat it, like, and everyone's alive, it's just, it's hard to go back. Like, I mean, I know it has multiple endings and things like that, but when you know the true ending and you know how everything kind of connects together, it's just kind of like, you can't go back and play it the same way. You don't get that same jolt, I guess, that I got when I played it for the first time. Cause I'll know when each scene is coming, you know, it's just because of the way the game is played, it's kind of just hard for me to I, I want to go back and I want to look at all the multiple endings, but I I just I can I can see that. Like I, when I played Heavy Rain, I was like when I got to the end, I was like, I'm good with that, and I kind of just left it alone like after that. Like I just I I want more and there's more to go get, but like I just know it won't be the same. Right. You know, like it's I'm not going to get that same feeling behind when I went through it my first time. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. <sighs> what else? <laughs> Prince of Persia. The I didn't even new... finish it. I know you're talking about the uh, like the cell shaded one. Yeah. Yeah. I was so sad that ended because I knew I'm not going to know what happens afterwards. Well, I thought because I knew I heard somebody saying that the ending wasn't that great, but there was an epilogue released later. The epilogue was released later. It leaves me with even more. Well, 
to, is it spoil? Is it spoiler test? Is the game's old enough, right? I can, I can. It's old enough, right? Yeah, yeah. It's fine. I I'm probably never going back at this point. Nick, I think if anybody listening wants to skip ahead, <laughs> spoiler <laughs> warning. Spoiler warning. Skip like I don't know a little bit. Uh, he walk he it, the without the epilogue. He's just walking with the desert with Elika in his hands. Like, wow. cause she, uh, she initially killed herself. So, like, so the whole thing is, you have to save this tree and give it its power back. Well, the power is in Elika, so Elika has to literally like die to put the tree back to put uh, Amon or Amon back into the tree in captivity forever. So she has to basically die to do this. Prince isn't cool with that, so he cuts the tree picks her up, and they try to run away from Ormond. And that's how the game ends proper. Mm. So, okay. leaves open for a sequel. Epilogue comes out. She wakes up. She's, like, hating you for bringing her back to life and releasing this darkness upon the world throughout the entire epilogue. And it's just this really thing going back and forth of how we need to stop this. We can still stop it. You still have the power, yada, yada, yada. And she ends up at the end leaving him alone and travels off to figure a way to find, fight this darkness alone. And him just trying to go and find her again to try to help and make things right. Wow. So that's how it ended. And I just, I really, it was so fun. It was such a good game. And no one really, I just feel, I just don't think anyone gives it the appreciation it deserves. Yeah, that was it was good. I just never finished it. I just, I just never finished it. I think back to it, and it's like I play it every once. Like I'll go back and I'll play it every once in a while, and I like running around and I like doing all the combat and everything. It was just, it just makes me sad because I know I'm never gonna see how it ends. You sound like you're about to cry. Yeah, (laughs) I I know, right? I'm like, how I feel about Mirror's Edge too. I don't ever think it's going to like when it ended, I knew and I heard that it was not going to get shitty sales. Like it's like, I'm never going to see how this shit's going to end either. So yeah. And I, you know what? I don't know. Like I, I can see being depressed about that. Like, you know, once, once I realized that we're never seeing mirrors at sequel, unless EA gets very, very, very desperate and try to, they try to reach out for the gamer again, um, which that's, that's a ways off. But uh, you know, yeah, that made me sad. But I'm talking about like just be like being upset just because you finished the game, like <laughs> like because the game's complete, like because it's over, like what? Which man? What was it? I think I don't know. Like it's just I haven't really had that quintessential moment of like when the game's been over. I've just been depressed as been outside of like the Bioshock games because just like I want more and I want to know what the fuck's going on and how everything just works. Um, but <sighs> well, what about you, Nick? I mean, Mikey doesn't have. Oh, uh, oh well, go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, I would say this is more. Never mind. This is more of a future depression because I know I'm going to be super depressed when it happens. Oh. Okay, might as well spit it out since you said it. Oh, I have I I it better fucking I want it so bad to I want Kingdom Hearts three to be the last one. It needs to be. It needs to be. 
Shit's going to stop. I want to stop now. I, it pains me to say this, but it needs to stop. And I will be depressed as fuck when it's over. But I'll also be glad that it's over at the same time. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because like, they've, been, they've been stringing you guys. Well, I'm a fan too, but not as much as you. But they've been stringing you guys along for a while. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I just I need conclusion, goddammit. But I'm going to be so sad when it, it's finally over. Yeah, they've definitely been <laughs> just stringing you guys along for years now. The, the hardcore Kingdom Hearts fans. I'm just like, please just end it. Just end it while I'm still alive. <laughs> like, end it while I'm still alive. Just end it while I'm still alive. Please. <laughs> just finish it. Like, I want to know how this shit ends. I need to know. I'll be sad when I know. But holy fuck, I just, I just need it to end. Right. What about you, Nick? What's uh, any any? See, I don't know if I get post game depression. I feel like I get more of a post game mania. Like as soon as I finish, I'm like so engaged in the world. I just need to like either start playing the game again, or I, like I start to run and look for forums where people are talking about the game, and, I, and look to sort of continue the experience that way. And I, I think that the two games that I'm primarily thinking of where that happened for me, actually three games, um, were Knights of the Old Republic. Um, Oh, uh, now I just lost the name of the game. What was the one with the giants? Why can't I think of the name of the game? Uh, the, Shadow uh, of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus, yes. Oh, and, God, yeah. I forgot and, about uh, and, and the first Mass Effect. Like, those like those were three games where it's like, okay, like, you, you hit the end of the game, and it's like, I just didn't want to let go of that. I was like, okay, like, you know, immediately. Like, and, and, I mean, Mass Effect and, and, and Knights of the Old Republic, I mean, you know, they, had, they gave you the option of like, oh, now I can, you know, play as a completely different character with a completely different twist and see all the different things but but even just aside from that it it allowed you to go back into that world and and it, it, it at the very least it gave you you know especially in those games because your party was such a huge part of that game that you you know you come, you encounter these people and you know you become friends with them to a degree that you got to not only see them again but you got to see them in a different light because now they're reacting to you being a complete bastard right um i mean oh, what was it i mean um who the, there was the one Twilight girl in the first in uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Like I, I remember just pissing her off completely, just being a complete bastard. And I was pissed because I couldn't, I couldn't kill uh, Karth because he pissed me off the whole first playthrough. I never liked that character, and I kept trying. To, I heard there was a way you could kill him, and I never quite figured that out. But no, I mean those. I mean that's. I mean, again, those you know, it was a combination of games that, that with a great world, and, and you know, assuming you like the RPG elements, it was compelling gameplay. That I mean, especially the first Mass Effect. It, it I mean, because and, and fundamentally, it was Knights of the Old Republic that led me to Mass Effect. Because I played Knights of the Old Republic, and then I got Knights of the Old Republic two one weekend, and then you know, I got Knights of the Old Republic when it came out, and then like you know, and then Knights of the Old Republic two came out, and I heard I heard some lackluster things about that one, so I kind of sat on that. And then one weekend, I was like, I'm bored. Let me get that. So I picked that up, and I was like, okay, that was awesome. And I blew through that, and then I was like, well, now I still want more. But there was no Knights of the Old Republic 3 at that time, but Mass Effect had come out. And I was like, it's the same people. It should be close enough. And uh, yeah, that I mean, that game was awesome. It, you know, that spawned another, you know, you know, space-faring trilogy that we've seen. And I'm still – I still have to get my hands on Mass Effect 3. But uh, yeah, no, those I – mean, I mean, that's the thing. I, I started – I mean, the one thing I love about those games is not only the, especially Bioware. What, what's 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 evil? What they do, They're not evil, but it's 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 always a little bit tricky. Is that you can play through like as either like the light side or the Paragon or the dark side or the Renegade, mm -hmm. and 
if you put enough into your charisma, you can just manipulate everybody. And so you go through and whatever you want to do, you always have the options to actually that's another game too, even that, that I don't know if it depressed me that much, but uh, the first dragon age with not so much the, I mean, the, the game itself was good, but the relationship with Morrigan, that really, you know, the, the way that ended was really com- compelling. And I never did. I, I, I didn't, I haven't picked up the second one yet. Again, I've heard lackluster things about that, but yeah, I mean, it's the whole, the whole Bioware style of, of, of play where, you know, as long as you put enough points into charisma, you can, you can smooth talk your way or bluff your way through any situation. And the full consequences of what you're doing are never really felt, you know, like in the first mass effect, uh, as long as your charisma is high enough, I don't I hope this isn't spoiler territory, but, uh, you know, you get into a confrontation with, with one of your party members, we'll leave it at that. And as long as your charisma is high enough, you'll get out of it. But if your charisma is not high enough, then you wind up having to kill the guy. And it's one of those things that's really, I, th- I think, in a, a way almost unfortunate because, you know, if you're kind of a power gamer, you're going to make sure your charisma is high enough so you can manipulate all these situations in your favor. And I think the more interesting story there is like, oh, shit, I had to kill that guy and he was awesome. And, you know, it's uh, – I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. It, it, it almost feels like it's a cheat by them that they let you do that. But I suppose you know. It's, it's, it's a, you know. I, that's always my third gameplay that I never make through is where I I try to pick somebody who just actually sucks at the game, just shitty shepherd, and that never. I never. I never quite make it. That's where I run out of momentum. Is the third playthrough. The third but all those games are great. <laughs> huh. Well, I guess that's this maybe that's kind of your your mechanism for. For I guess solving your post game depression is just yeah, I don't leave. Again. I don't I don't I don't leave you the game. Back. It's I mean even then it's it's you know I mean fundamentally I, I you know like to talk about post game dep- depression I think you know like I, there you know I, there's I think it's post media depression I you know I, you know and, and doing some research for you know this podcast you know I, look, I found a lot of people talking about oh you know I read a book and that book ended and I lost that that world. And, you know, or I, you know, I'm, my experience, I know I've had some TV shows that when they ended, it was depressing because it's like, you know, but I, th- and I think the, the issue there is at least with a TV show, it, it's a bit more that, you know, you've known these characters for, you know, several years. And so it's like, they've been part of your life for several years for a game. These characters in this, this world has been a part of your life fairly regularly for maybe a week. Well, I right. guess it depends because, like Mass Effect, Mass Effect Two. I mean, I was playing that for nine months, and I mean, you know, some weeks I played more than others, but you know, it's yeah, basically, I mean, that's like the, that's a season of a TV show, give or take. And so, yeah, so you're you're interacting with this world. It's it's part that world becomes part of your world on a very regular basis. And so, you know, it's maybe not clockwork. Like, oh yeah, every Tuesday night from like eight to nine, you know, I'm off in Omega doing something with aliens, but you know, it's pretty regularly. You're flying around on on uh, you know on the ship doing stuff, and it's 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 suddenly that you know it's it, yeah it's all you know it's it's like if you had like a book club and like you know every every Tuesday night you're hanging out at the book club and then all of a sudden they cancel the book club or it's like you've got you know like a group of people that you talk to over Skype every you know Wednesday night for a few hours and then they're like okay we're gonna take a three week break <laughs> and then you get depressed for those three weeks because you're not doing anything so. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I think that that's that and that I think that's something, too, where the social aspects of the characters. I think that I mean, that's something 
Whereas as the storytelling gets better, as the technology has gotten better, that these characters can be a little more fleshed out, that you can see their reactions, that, you know, like characters can get pissed at you when you do shitty things to them, that in a way it almost, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, you can't compare the relationship of like, you know, like you by proxy of your, of the main character to your party in Knights of the Old Republic to like an actual friendship, but it does begin to kind of unevenly equate to that in some ways and i think that again it's a testament to the game developers and it's like yeah fundamentally like you know you know to a to a degree it's like these were my friends and now you know they're they're you know it's it's it, it, at the very least it's the same misformed friendship that happens with tv show characters <laughs> you have no right saying you're friends with them because they're completely fictional and and not at all connected to you but at least with the, you're interacting with these pe- people using that in quotes that sounds incredibly lonely but i get it yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm trying to walk wow. that back as I'm talking it forward. Because I know I, I know it sounds a bit creepy, but it, I think Nick's fiance just poked her head in the room to see what the not, fuck is going you know, on. Not, uh, Make she, sure he doesn't have any sharp objects. She's not here right now. She's <laughs> probably why I'm playing these games. But uh, no, it's uh, no, I, I, I think you know, as, like as, you know, it's not a substitute for real human contact. But it's starting to approximate that to some degree. I think even then talking about like heavy rain, you know, and the, the relationships in there. I think that that's another. I mean, they're then they're 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 intentionally going. They're trying to pull at some of your heartstrings, especially in like a parental fashion. Right. That you know, I mean, look, the, one of the things you have to do is what make your kid a sandwich. Like that's not that's not compelling gameplay. But that you know, one of the things at, at PAX, uh, I, I uh, actually didn't sit on it. I watched the stream of it. Uh, was a, a panel where they talked about parenting and video games, and they talked about that and how one of the guys, he actually played through Heavy Rain when he was single. Or not single, at least before he had kids. And then, like, right before PAX, since they were going to talk about it, he played through it again. And he said the game hit him and wrecked him in a completely different way because all the little things that he had to do with the parenting, that, like, before, it's like he understood, he understood, like, okay, I'm parenting here, and, like, oh, this is bad or this is good. But now he actually had a, a, like an emotional connection with that because he was a parent. Like he understood what that actually meant, like how significant it could be, like taking your kid to the mall, like, you know, what can happen there? Like, you know, he understood like the relevance of that in a way that was, you know, completely he didn't get before. And so I think, you know, to, to you know, to sit there and say like, Oh, you know, you know, like I think in these games, you know, to equate them to friendship, maybe a little much, but they're definitely, they definitely are playing on our, our social impulses. And, you know, they, the developers want us to bond with these characters to a degree. Um, I mean, hell, we even had the, 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 the Tomb Raider developers talking about, they wanted us to want to protect Lara. They may have been missed. <laughs> I don't know if that was necessarily the words they wanted to say, but I kind of understand what they're saying. Like, you know, like they want, they want, they want you to, to relate because that's what makes a compelling game is when you're invested in the characters, that's going to make you want to keep playing. When you're invested in the world, you're not thinking like, Oh, this is Lara Croft and she's just a virtual person. And these are all pixels. Like, no, it's a world to you. It's, it's still real to you. Damn it. And yeah, it, it, that's, that's when you get hooked and that's when you wind up feeling depressed when it ends because that world is gone. I'm not. I'm depressed just listening to you. Yeah, just... you're. You're bringing. I'm gonna have to get. I'm like. Good thing I'm going to a doctor's office tomorrow. I'm gonna ask for antidepressants because <laughs> you're just bringing me down even more than I'm already brought down. Yeah, and I'm already brought down, Nick. You, you. you kudos to you to bring me down even more. <laughs> yeah. 
All, all I can say is I didn't pick the topic. Never, never let Nick, you know, man a suicide hotline. Like, you Seriously, know. I would have jumped off the fucking bridge. Nick. He's like, you know, he had those people say, "Why am I alive?" He's like, "I don't know." <laughs> uh, Nick is a. Uh... Yeah, we're we're done. I'm out. <laughs> we're done. You know. we go, I'm gonna go. See, I gotta go play something to make myself feel better. <laughs> See, we we did this. We did this in reverse because fundamentally. I mean, fundamentally, you can't talk about post-depression without kind of getting into the aspects that encourage that depression. But what we started off with, we started off with talking about, like, sort of the, the ultimate cause of all the depression is that these games are awesome. And we spent the first half of this, more than the first half of this, praising these games for being awesome. And then we get to me at the end, and I'm like, yeah, but this is, like, the whole depression part of it that we had to kind of talk talk about. We should have <laughs> talked about that first, got that out of the way, and then just been like, yeah, games are awesome. Yeah, no, I just been like, I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> It'd be like a fifteen minute podcast. Yeah. But I know like for me, I don't know for like if I can, I'll immediately start playing the game again. Yeah. If I can. If I can. Just to try Probably. to work out that post game depression. But most of the time I can't in my current position. Like if I beat a game, there's usually something else I need to be doing. Or I there's sacrifice... something else you need to be playing. Exactly. Like, like, I sacrificed a lot of time to get into that game. Bioshock was a was a different case because I had off work that week. But normally, like we you know, with the way we get review codes and stuff, it's a lot of times like I'm sacri- I'm taking time away from another game or writing a review to play this game I want to play. Yeah, but yeah, like, but I've but... stopped playing like I've stopped playing Borderlands 2's DLC to keep up with all my backlog of shit to play. And I really want to go play big game. Like I still haven't played uh big game hunt. I only have one character in borderlands two. Normally I have like, I had, I had like two or three. In really? I have like one. five and I have, I'm not even nowhere near close to beating that game. Seriously? With none of the characters? No, because I, I people who I play with, they either stop playing or uh-huh. they'll like, they, they'll play with somebody else and they'll beat the game and they'll leave me behind. So basically, I have to go back with new people and start playing again, oh, and then they stop fuck. playing. Yeah, you need to just find a group of like one, maybe get one person. I'm, just... That's what I've been trying to do. I'm God. depressed about that. I, I want that's to. Be... That sounds more like a grudge. Well, <laughs> well, the new class will be out soon. Just play that new one. <laughs> oh, shit! I know. I need to beat it with the other classes already. Yeah. Well. Sorry. <laughs> but um. Yeah, like if I can, I'll just go and replay and, and kind of like you know burn it out of my system if I can. But I see. I think maybe that may be something that you need to budget into your time when you're saying like, okay, if I have you know X amount of time to play a certain game, you need to budget in like it's, I'm going to beat it at this hour, and I'm going to need one or two hours to okay. get over that. Well, I don't the know if I'm going to need the, one or two uh, hours. You don't, there's no judgmental time on how how long it's going to take me to beat a game, though. I don't know when the ending's going to be, or if I might. Who knows? I heaven forbid I get stuck. That that'll never happen. Today's games uh, games are too easy these days. Um, <laughs> we should talk about that. We did already. Yeah. We did already. Already. Oh, did we already do a podcast on that? Yeah, we did. I was trying oh. to get going. I guess it didn't work. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, now they know. All right. <laughs> Shit. Well, go ahead, Mikey. What were you saying? No, it's just like we can't. I mean. And now we're getting to budgeting time frame, which is also depressing when I think about it. Because I don't have time to play all these freaking games I want to play. I've been wanting to play Dishonored. I started Dishonored, and I have yet to finish it. And I've been dying to go back and I play it. I have yet to finish it, too, but I kinda, it's because I kind of got mad at it. Got mad at Dishonored. <laughs> I got mad so at it. Just, so now we're at 
post-game anger. <laughs> well, I got mad at it because there was a bug in it that stopped me from um, from doing something that I wanted to do. Like, there's a, how, you go to this like cat house or this bro, uh, not broke house. What's a whore house you go to? Let's, no, let's call it what it is. I didn't even get that far. It's a whore house you go to, and there's this guy who you're supposed to interrogate, and you're supposed to get this, his safe combination and shit from him, and there's a bug in the game that's stopping him from giving me the combination. Are you serious? Yeah, there's, it's, like a, it's like a problem. So now that, that actually is going to affect the rest of the game for me. Like, you're supposed to get the combination, and you're supposed to give something to somebody, but so now I can't give it to that person. That's going to affect that person's story. You can't just, like, look up somewhere on, in, in, uh, on the Steam facts. Look, look up what the combination is and just put it in? Oh, no, you... I can, but the quest isn't continuing. That's the problem. The quest oh, is not... Re... Oh, okay. So that's the... There, okay. There's a side quest that's not continuing. And they haven't so patched just... that yet? Uh, no, but I would have to restart the, the entire mission over again. I don't feel like doing it. Ah. That's the thing I was talking about, because actually, that's the... That's, um, that's when I realized that I can complete all the game's objectives without killing a single person. Yeah, you could. That's you when could. I realized it. Because I got to the final objective of that mission by accident. <laughs> by accident, I, I got to the objective of that, 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 the final objective of that mission, which is funny. yeah. You can you can do that game without killing a soul if you wanted to. Yeah, so it's cool like that. But um, yeah, no, like I, I, I know what you mean, Mike. Not having time to play the games that you want to play. It even sucks worse in my position when I have to play a shitty game if we get one. <laughs> I know, right? I feel bad for you. Yeah, like, you have to play. You have to play all the shit. I have to play a shitty game when I want to be playing this good game. But you know, yeah. that such such is the life. If but I complain too much, I shouldn't be doing it. You know. Yeah, but then you might get surprised. Maybe the game you thought would be shit turns out to be good. Uh, I go into every game thinking that it's going to be at least okay, and yeah, then uh, then the scale tips in either way. So, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> but uh, I think we, uh, I think we're good on this one, guys. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm well, thoroughly uh, depressed. Yeah, yeah thanks, Nick. Should we like? Do, do we have any like final words we can kind of uplift everybody with? No, it's you, better. You, <laughs> do you realize the black hole of abyss that you put people in today, Nick? Uh, Did you, yeah, do, do you? Do I you? Do every, I do that every day. Oh. No, oh. but. <laughs> no, but I guess you know it's one of those things where I guess like the depression is it's it's it, it we're lucky to be bitching about that in a way. I mean, the fact that these games are so awesome that we can get that invested that we're sad when they're over. I mean, it's all a testament to how you know how awesome the development teams are. You know, it's a it, you know it's, it speaks to how you know it speaks to how how great this medium is. And so it's, I mean, really, this is kind of like one of those like first world problem kind of things. Like, oh, I'm sad that I beat my awesome game. You know. Yeah. It's really not that bad. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. It's not that bad, but it feels bad at the time. It feels bad, but it also the other thing to think about is just how awesome you felt while you were playing. Like that—that's what also leads to that you know that offset leading to the depression. It's it's that you the, the highs you hit during the game, and you know now that's over, so you're kind of left with the low. It's those highs are worth it. So as long as we can just queue up all awesome games, then we're fine. We just move right into the next one. Yeah. See, there you go, Nick, with the uplifting words. After he tears you down, of course. Then I build you back up. He builds you back Nick. up so he can tear you back down. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, it's like a drug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Just you chase the dragon, but you never catch it. <laughs> All right, yeah, so that's gonna that's gonna wrap us up here. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, normally, the Mashcast comes out on uh, Thursdays, which this should come out on Thursday, but we'll see. But it comes out on Thursday, usually in the morning time, and uh, that's just weekly. You know what's happening in gaming, and we we talk about some things there. And most of the time, it's less depressing. <laughs> I don't know about that. Just, most. The game industry itself is not always in the best situation. I think. That is actually very true. But hey, I, you know, the in- indie games, like I've been saying, indie games going to save the industry. But that's a topic for another day, <laughs> actually. Um, but, but yes, as always, thank you for listening. Um, in the meantime, you can keep us keep up with us on uh, SoundCloud, which is uh, SoundCloud.com slash uh, mash those buttons, or you can uh, catch that. Uh, you, you can also listen to us on iTunes. Um, we are on Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices. Uh, let's see. Oh, we're also on Twitter.com slash mash those buttons, and we're also on Facebook.com slash mash those buttons. And I think. Uh, yeah, I think that about covers it. So uh, thank you for listening, like I said, and we will catch you guys next time. Have a great weekend. I'm going to go cry. <laughs> it gets better. Uh, it gets better. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.